Welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast coming to you live from Studio B of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm your host, Sean Anderson, alongside me, the full CHGO White Sox crew. That's Vinny Duber. You can follow him at Vinny Duber. That's Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him at Ecknerwall23. Uh, he's our CHGO White Sox community leader, and I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. You can follow the show at CHGO underscore White Sox. We're being produced today by Sarah. Hi. Hello. Um, and you can read Vinny's latest piece up at allchgo.com. Chris got spoke yesterday. We uploaded it uh, in full to our YouTube page. If you missed yesterday's podcast, we also reacted to it. And Vinny posted a piece up to allchgo.com. Some questions were answered, like Garrett Crochet, which we'll talk about today. And some were left uh, unanswered. Um, go read Vinny's piece. I'm not going to spoil it. There you go. Um, <laughs> it's a good piece. And... It is weird because he did speak for 20 minutes and I still have a lot of questions about Garrett Crochet even being a starter because we have, I think, about a minute and three or three seconds of uh, Chris Getz speaking on Garrett Crochet becoming a starter. And I don't know if I fully see the picture or not. Uh, so we'll talk. About yeah, I mean, I think the idea is that that's probably something that's not going to become clear for quite some time, right? I mean, we, we got the news yesterday that he will be working toward being a starter, that the White Sox are going to treat him as a starter moving forward. Um, I, I understand what you're talking about. How is that going to work necessarily? But that's probably, you know, going to be learned come spring training, right? We're going to see it in action kind of how long – how far along he is in terms of that come once spring training starts, what was he able to get done during the offseason that puts him in a better position to throw as many innings as he's going to need to throw as a starting pitcher versus where he was at the end of last season. Spring training is going to be very important in that, as are the months that follow, most likely in the minor leagues, to get him ready to do that, whether that's at a minor league level or a major league level. So uh, it's probably a very long-term process, and uh, we're going to find out exactly kind of what the roadmap looks like once they get a little further down the path, I think. He's had three years of service time already, and it's just interesting to see what path, even after spring training, that would be. Because, hey, maybe he goes out and just has outings of three innings and he tries to build up that bulk. But even then, it's just, do you, do you, do you put him in Charlotte because it's the nearest to Major League Baseball? Do you put him down in single A so he can just mow through people? Like, do you just want him to have the most 100 efficient pitches ever? Um, like, do you see, like... I want because he's never started before. Like, would you be surprised if you see, you know, Winston Salem Dash, Garrett Crochet? I would be surprised because that's teaching, treating him like he doesn't know how to pitch. Um, yes, does he? He does. He's, he's but he, I mean, he, he was really good when he threw 101. You just kind of throw that down yeah. the middle. Understood. Yeah, I understand. So we must learn how to pitch with the stuff that he has, but. I don't want him to have a false sense of hope that he is, is an actual good pitcher. I want, because the plan is for him to be pitching on the major league staff, either at the end of 24, at the beginning of 25. So I don't think uh, being very confident in striking out teenagers is going to get him to the major league success that he's looking for, or the White Sox are looking for, for that matter. And so I want him to go to the level where he feels he's getting challenged enough, where he can do his things, where developing his pitches, developing his rest in between starts and all that good stuff. If that's double A in Birmingham, that's triple A in Charlotte, Go, so be it. But be a, a starting pitcher and understand what it is it is every fifth day to take that ball because he hasn't done it since Tennessee and I think his sophomore year, and he didn't barely did it then. So I think that you don't just send him down to single A because that would just be a thing where he's just trying to get his brain right and his confidence right and saying, man, I can just do this job all the day long. I'm striking out these guys from um, rookie ball easily. Go against some people who are actually of his age and who will be major league talent. And if he can do that, that would buoy more confidence in him, I believe, because you're actually striking out major league ready or major league starters who you might be facing in the future in the major leagues. Hasn't started a game since 2020 at Tennessee when he was 21 years old. He is only 24 and won't be 25 until June 21st. Uh, he last year was younger than even double A. Uh, there's a, th a point three. I guess that's like a three-month difference between him and the average age of double-A. So, I mean, he's still fairly green. I don't know. I mean, like, he's never started before. If they, if I saw single-A Garrett Crochet, I don't think that's a bad thing because 
I don't think he knows what type of pitcher he is as a starter. I mean, there's there's so much leg room and room for him to grow. First off, like, can you even throw three innings? Like, we really haven't seen that that type of workload from him at the major league level. Like, can you even go out and throw three innings? I think it would be probably beneficial to go up against some teenagers to get that job done. Well, I mean, and that's why we talk about this as a project and a process. I mean, I don't think this is something that happens overnight. They don't just say, all right, you're starting out. We'll see you in the rotation come spring training. Like, there's a, they're, they're planning on this taking a while. They know that he needs to be built up to a specific innings base. But you're right. How do those pitches play as well? And and, and getting that done in the, in the minor leagues, whether it's AAA, AA, whatever, it allows them to look at it. I mean, at the end of the day, who cares what level it's at, right? I mean, he it, it, it doesn't – it. I don't like to say it doesn't count, but it kind of doesn't count regardless. You know what I mean? You're the, it's there for development. That's what they're doing with him. And and I understand that it's certainly far from linear, right? It's certainly far from the normal way that we see things done in the major leagues or, or, or in baseball in general, I should say. But this is a guy who has major league experience and that's not nothing. I mean, uh, having experience facing major league hitting, having success against major league hitting, that is definitely going to be helpful and give him it puts him far, much, much farther along the the road than, hey, we drafted you and now we're going to start working on you like this. Like he's got that experience. Um, sure, the, the innings base is very small, and I think that that's definitely a concern as to how long it's going to take in order to get him to where they need him to be. I mean, when you come up to the major leagues, you should be expected to go six, seven innings in a start. If he's not able to do that, then he's not ready to be a major league starter, right? So it might be a while um, until he's ready to do that. Maybe we are talking about September. Maybe we are talking about next April or something like that but I think right now it just becomes a, a, a surprising new wrinkle into what the White Sox are doing but hey they have uh, they have some promising uh, minor league pitching prospects right now that I think uh, folks are keeping an eye on to what they could be in the long term of this team I think you add Garrett Crochet to that list not exactly saying that he's the same amount of time away from the major leagues as some of those guys who maybe are still in double a not exactly saying that he's any further ahead of guys who maybe got a late season promotion to triple a last year but i think he goes in with that group of names where you're like all right let's start thinking about 25 26 27 and what those rotations might look like he's now just another candidate to to perhaps be part of that mix yeah and what benefit to the white Sox in 24 is garrett crochet in the bullpen None, really. I mean, he can get people out, but we're banking on a bad year. So if he wants to increase his value in something that he's told Vinny and the people that he's wanted to do this for a long time, might as well let him be happy as he can be. And also it increases your value for the player. Him being a starter, either mediocre to good, is better than him being a good reliever, right? It gives you more value, especially at the left arm that he does have. And if he can get anywhere near the 99 he was throwing up uh, back in his rookie year hundreds that he's throwing up his rookie year, so be it. I guarantee as a starter, he probably can't gear that up all the time. He'll be probably sitting in the mid 90s. I mean, that was gone. That was gone by by the second year he was in in baseball. I mean, that was gone by what, 21. Uh, He wasn't throwing with that velocity anymore. But then he had the surgery, right? After, right? Well, two years later. Yeah, yeah. but he's never hit that. Like, 2020, he like he mat he blew out whatever he did in mm-hmm. Oakland, and that never came back. He was he was a different pitcher by opening day 2021 than he was when he was pitching for them at the end of 20. His average max velocity in tw- uh, 2020 was 100.1, and then in 2021 uh, it was 96.7, and then in 2023 it was 96.3. Okay, so I mean he's just yeah. I, I mean I was saying that he can sit in mid 90s, and that's fine. But his best value to the White Sox is being a starter, whether that's single A, double A, triple A, or in the major leagues. Well, I think you're I think you're right, but I'll bring up what I did yesterday again, just to just to play devil's advocate a little bit there and say that there is some risk to this in that they have a guy who they know is a good relief pitcher or can be a good relief pitcher. You know what I mean? Like I yes. I don't think so. The, I mean, honestly, I think they have to rebuild him as a pitcher. I don't think you saw anything in 2023 or post-2020 that made him look like really phenomenal. And I guess maybe 2021, I'm being a little bit harsh, but especially in 2023, uh, there wasn't a ton of life in that well, arm. he was hurt, obviously. Right, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I know, but like you look at... Uh, 
he didn't have a pitch that got over 30% whiff rate. Um, and then the weighted on base percentage for his fastball was 394, his slider 327, his changeup 348. Like I mean, he, he, was wasn't, he wasn't he effective. Only, well, he was unhealthy and he only threw 12 innings. I mean, I but think then why was he pitching? Well, he had to work he, he his way back, back and <laughs> he came back and then he was got hurt again. I mean, it was a, what I'm saying is that they have proof. They have major league proof that he can be an effect that he can be, maybe he can't be anymore that he has been, let's say an effective major league relief pitcher. That is not nothing moving forward when the alternative is the unknown of whether he can be an effective major league starter. Obviously they think that that risk is worth taking because that's what they're doing. Yeah, I, I I think also too like the one thing that was brought up yesterday, this won't cause against service time. I mean, he was obviously a very highly thought of prospect at, at you know very different levels. Uh, at some point seventy five, some point fifty, some point even thirty five from baseball prospectus. Um, like, but he again, I, I don't think that he was ever fully realized. They had the COVID breakup where he. Uh, obviously didn't get to pitch in college, then was thrown into a major league team that same year. Like, I don't think he ever had the ability to figure out his three pitches. He's mainly just a fastball guy. I mean, 60% fastball out of the bullpen, especially with not being, you know, 97, 98, 99. Like, he's just not as effective as he was. Like, they have to rebuild him to maybe get length and that's how he's going to be valuable as a bullpen arm if that's what he becomes if he's not able to hit hit a starter like maybe you can give us three innings out of the bullpen like I think there is a direction especially now looking at the roster because you see uh as Chris gets told you guys Chris Flexen in the rotation so right now Cease Fetty Kopech Soroka Flexen and then in the bullpen Santos Lambert Hill Davey Garcia Tanner Banks Shane Drohan uh Tukey Toussaint and they still count Garrett Crochet in here. Like, I think that the Shane Drohan rule five pick now makes more sense. If Garrett Crochet is going to start in double A or triple A, right? You have the ability to then have Drohan be your left-handed specialist that Crochet was. And maybe he can be more effective in one singular inning roles as a flamethrower lefty, um, which Garrett Crochet was. And then Tanner Banks could be your long relief Left any uh, lefting bullpen guy that it seems like they want Crochet to be, um, right? Like I think they're just giving Crochet that ability to be effective for them in 2025 and 2026 because in 2024 it seems like he has to do a lot of developing. Makes a lot of sense for him to do developing at the developmental levels. Yes, it does. <laughs> so like I, I don't know. Like he doesn't have a second pitch. I think he doesn't have a third pitch. I think he has a fastball that's fine, and it's not the same fastball that it was when he was a highly thought of prospect. Like there's a long way for him to go to become a major league pitcher. I think again, cause he just wasn't that same guy, you know, when we saw him in June or when we even saw him at the end of the year uh, in September and October, like I'm, I'm not super sold on him. And I think it's just a great move for him to, find some more development. There's absolutely mystery involved, right? And I mean, I think you could say that with anybody who has that Tommy John is like, well, even if we have seen the successful track record of that procedure before, you just wonder what is going to be different about that pitcher after the fact. Um, and we haven't gotten an answer to that yet for the reasons we talked about, mostly the fact that he only threw 12 innings last year at the major league level. Um, so I think we were waiting to get the answer to that question. And now all of a sudden, boom, here's a brand new scenario for him. Uh, and hey, maybe this is more bad luck for the White Sox on the injury front that forces a what was a first-round pick into somebody who's not going to have the impact that you hope a first-round pick has when you when you make that selection. And it's solid today that uh, if he does go to Birmingham, he will not be coached by Danny Farquhar. He is taken off to Seattle as the Major League uh, pitching coordinator over there. So that's one less person that uh, he can learn from, the great Danny Farquhar who uh, started this whole Astros thing. I mean, maybe there's some like weird beef between Brian Bannister and Danny Farquhar from like old. Why would you? I mean, like you know, assume that. Like, I mean, <laughs> or you're just making a joke. Yeah, it's okay. more of a joke. <laughs> like you know, the Seattle gang and the Kansas City gang. Like I don't, I don't think Danny Farquhar and Brian Bannister are ever on the same AL Sharks versus Jets <laughs> thing. All right, I think it's probably a guy who was coaching at the double A level getting a chance to coach at the major league level. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and a place that he's familiar with too. I yeah. mean, obviously, you know, I'm, I've never been to Birmingham. 
but I know that Seattle's a larger metroplex than Birmingham, and maybe that's more appealing to somebody who's in their 30s or 40s. I don't know. I've heard some good things about Birmingham, but I don't think it's going on out on too much of a limb to say that Seattle is probably a nicer place than Birmingham, Alabama. Yes. Yeah. I've never been to Birmingham, but I've, I can 100% assure you that it's better than uh, Seattle's better than Birmingham. Um, final thoughts on Crochet. Like, in those final games that he pitched, uh, two games, I think, on the 27th of September and then the 1st of October, uh, in those games, he threw uh, 29 pitches. 22 of them were fastballs. And average fastball velocity, 59.9. Um, wait, wait. That can't be right. 59.9, you mean 95? 95.9. Uh, no, yeah, you're right. It can't be right. It's like, that's uh, me pitching. <laughs> his five sliders... Uh, 85.5, and then his change-ups, he threw two of them, uh, clocking in at 90. Um, the one thing, too, his perceived velocity, because he is a long, gangly freak, uh, that 95.9 feels like 97.8. Uh, so even though it doesn't have that same zip, yeah, right, with his, his long arms, uh, all that coming at you, um, it's, it's obviously got a little bit more oomph on it. But, I again, I don't think that... Again, when that was a hundred on the gun, that was probably felt like it was like one oh one, right? Like he's just a completely different pitcher from from that, and I, I think that's like a, a back end of the belt, the the bullpen guy, Garrett Crochet. I think if you are able to use that length, could be a very difficult pitcher to figure out if he does have three fully developed pitches, which well, I think is the goal. I'll say this to you, Sean. You know who's probably behind this decision? Brian Bannister, <laughs> who you have had nothing but positive things to say. About yeah, hey. So I mean, I'm just hey. I'm just, let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. Rick Hahn always seemed kind of lukewarm to the idea of Crochet becoming a starter. We even heard Chris Getz after he uh, took over, kind of uh, we'll see, kind of uh, about that idea. Maybe some more influence from the guy who's been around here from September and who's in charge of their pitching side says something that uh, that that those two guys maybe weren't uh, seeing. Well, hopefully they see Kansas City. Uh, the Kansas City Royals, uh, Cole Raggins, uh, go over to driveline, or I think, well, he, he might have been with Tread, um, and he was, you know, long, gangly, left-handed freak uh, that was throwing like 92.8, and then uh, from getting traded from Texas to Kansas City, he's now averaging like 102 um, as a starter, so hey, maybe if Brian Bannister can, you know, also revive his fastball and get, get that zip back on it, uh, I'm cool with that too. Uh, I, I mean, there's a lot to see in a 6-6 pitcher from the left side that has a 95-plus mile-per-hour fastball. Like, I mean, just right now, it's not a refined pitcher, and he never had any refinement. It was just, okay, we know we can use you for 12 pitches. You're going to throw that crazy big fastball, and then since they're geared up for 100, you could throw this weird loopy slider, and it wasn't really about, like, you know, let's make the best pitcher. It was about let's get outs for our team that's competitive. And, you know, Rick Hahn was in a place where he was building a competitor. Chris Getz took over a, the corpse of a competitor. Uh, and now, you know, we haven't gotten a full, we're rebuilding, but no, absolutely. it seems like they're rebuilding. No, you're, you're absolutely right. That I mean, there was a comment up earlier that was like, oh, they should have made this decision back in 2021. No, in 2021, the best thing for that White Sox team that had a that had a pretty uh, loaded rotation, the best thing for that White Sox team was to have Garrett Crochet be used as a bullpen arm who could help them win that division and help them, the idea was, to win playoff games. Mm -hmm. um, right now, in 2024, they are nowhere near that. And they not only not only does the team outlook look different, but the pitching outlook in particular looks different. If you can turn that that asset that you have, if you could work some magic and turn it into a starting pitcher in 2025 for your rotation, all of a sudden that's kind of a big deal. So I think uh, you're not only talking about two very different situations with the with the guys in charge and where this team was, but the need for starting pitching in the, yes, immediate, but as immediate as it can be with Garrett Crochet uh, is vastly different as well. Because I know you've said this, Vinny, but look at the people that Mazman puts out there. Kopech, is he going to be here next year? He's contractually, yes, but will he be a starter? Flexen, one-year deal. Fetty, two-year deal. Soroka may not be here. So your point is well made right there because you need more starters and inexpensive starters because you know your team's not going to be going all out for those other starters on the free agent market. So it is good for the White Sox to explore things to make most of their people starting pitchers. And then if they're not, at worst, 
you can downshift and say, hey, you're just a reliever. And it's not, it's no harm, no foul, I don't think, this year in 2024 for the White Sox to do that. It's just a year off the calendar for them. And if he shows that he can't be a starter, cool. You know he, you have that in your pocket that he can be a major league reliever. And you tell the player, you're like, hey, man, we gave you every chance in 2024 to prove us that you're a starter. It didn't work out. Now we're focused on a different thing where we're a little bit more looking to compete. So your best role and the best role for us is you to be a reliever now. Or if he proves that he is a starter, baby, you're in the house. You're our fifth starter for the 2025 season. Go ahead and get him. Um, who is this asking the question? Jared saying 2019 Tennessee. Uh, he threw 65 innings with a four ERA. Is that the most pit, uh, innings he's ever pitched in his career? Yes. Um, I, I mean, does it even count as do. his career? But yes, the answer is he has right. not hit that number as a as a professional. Yeah, yeah that's the and that, that's the the peak of since Garrett Crochet's pitching stats have been counted. Um, there you go. I think. Something that will be interesting to see more defined by Getz and the pitching staff and the developmental staff is certain goals that they want Crochet to reach, right? Do you want to go make 20 starts at five innings to get to 100 innings? Is it to get to that 65 inning base and then build from that? Like, is it just to ride? It's just, you know, go as much as you can, you know go break the machine. Like, I, I don't, I, don't I would, know. I, it's a great question. And we're going to find out in the spring. Um, I, I, one thing that comes to mind is the way that you see granted already established starting pitchers get ready for a season, which is during spring training, the first start of spring training, they'll maybe go four innings. And then the next one, they'll go five. And then the next one, they'll go six. And they're ready to throw a seven inning game come opening day. Maybe you see the way stretched out version of that where it's like, all right, the entire month of April, we want you to just get get out there and make sure you can finish four innings. Entire month of May, then we're going to step it up to five. Again, this is me totally speculating and probably saying something that won't actually happen, but it is a, uh, uh, some, a thing that comes to mind and you could see that kind of stair-stepping to, to maybe get him to where they need him to be by the end of the season. And then they say, whoa, that's a lot of innings you just worked. You're, you're cool. You're cool. Great job in AAA this year. We're going to try to turn this into you being able to handle a major league workload in 2025. And then, like, say the White Sox surprise by September, and they're in it. They're, and Herb, Garrett, Herb. Uh, it may he, hey, it's the elephant in the room. The AL Central's bad. Um, he could still, you know, if he has enough bullets in that arm, he could still be a reliever. He no. Could, if, if you're going to have him be a starter, have him be a starter. I, if, Don't he can, flip if he can help the major league team and he's one of the best arms in the in the organization and has some bullets left, hell yeah. That's water. Jerk. Mm. <laughs> Jerk. What are you drinking? It's delicious water. Gonna help you in September. Uh, let's take a break. Uh, I feel like we've exhausted the hey man, if crochet you be- starter stuff. If you stuff believe in Ryan Bannister as much as you do and the White Sox are in the AL Central still, oh, okay, you don't like, think by September... That they could possibly still be in this garbage ass division. Who's no. running away? Who's running away? It's not necessarily running away with the division as so much as it how far how far behind would the White Sox be? Yeah, I th- I think Brian Bannister is good at his job. I don't think he's Jesus. I mean, I, the Twins didn't run away with the. I mean, did the Twins run away with the AL Central last year? Like they were just. It's just that the rest of the teams were not good, right? <laughs> the elephant in the room. When did the the, the September twenty second? I don't know if that's running away, but they it's a comfortable lead. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm no listen, I'm not trying to say they didn't win right. the, yeah, win the division right. by a comfortable margin, but like how many games over five hundred were they? I, like the 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 teams behind them just weren't challenging. I also And I think that's probably the idea is that teams like the White Sox and Royals at the very least will are not built to challenge at the moment. I don't think they're going to have cease too, which is the thing. I mean, I I mean this team's just going to be worse come March. Um uh, whatever. Uh, I was also wrong. Uh, Garrett Crochet has pitched three innings in his career before uh, at the major league level. Um, one outing, it was April 25th, 2021 against the Rangers. Uh, Kopech started five innings. Jonathan Stever relieved him and, oh God. Ew, Where's he at? Did not do well. Uh, he's, I don't think his, his, his arm uh, held up well. Uh, but Crochet came in, relieved him for three innings, uh, threw 46 pitches and uh, was fine. Uh, three hits, uh, one walk, hit a batter, but uh, didn't allow a run. Uh, so crochet has gone over three innings once. Um, all right, let's take a break. Let's let people know about ComEd, uh, and then we will jump into more discussions about the Chicago White Sox. Some more royal uh, based discussions. You know who's royalty? ComEd, the kings of 
energy energy electric vehicles it's getting easier for businesses to switch to electric vehicles with the king of electric vehicles comment uh it's something that we can all get behind uh for the health of the planet and for the well-being of all of us who share it it's a great point sean the electric grid is evolving to meet your cleaner energy needs as we all move with confidence toward an electric tomorrow whether you have one delivery van or a whole fleet of shipping trucks comed can help guide you to make the changes that make sense so what should business owners do Vinny? What a phenomenal question. They should go to comed.com slash clean to learn more about the resources, fleet rebates, and infrastructure incentives available to help businesses go electric. If you own a business, don't wait. Start making your plan today to switch to electric vehicles. They're good for business, good for the planet, good for all of us. Go to comed.com slash clean. Did you say comed.com slash clean? Sean, it's exactly what I said. Go now and see how going electric connects us to a better way of doing business and a better future for generations to come. Thanks, Vinny. Uh, I also need your singing voices, gentlemen, because uh, we're going to let people know about Empire today. 588-2300-EMPIRE today. With Empire today, you get shop at home convenience, the right product for your needs quick and professional installation and a low price guarantee empire today is the best place to get new flooring so of course they have copycats but empire can't be beaten on quality service speed so competitors advertise low quality products that empire simply won't carry empire won't promise lowest prices because anyone who does is putting flooring in your home that they wouldn't put in theirs empire keeps shopping for floors simple with a curated product selection their philosophy is to help you find what you need not overwhelm you with thousands of choices and substitutes and what they leave out of their selection is just as important as what they put in empire's product team exhaustively combs through thousands of product samples each year to find the perfect styles and you can see those perfect styles with their virtual floor designer it's a great way to see how new floors will look in any space it's easy just snap a picture and instantly see how new floors will look in your room so schedule a free in-home estimate today all listeners can receive a 350 dollars off discount when they use promo code chgo restrictions apply see empiretoday.com chgo for details again schedule a free in-home estimate today at empiretoday.com chgo G-O and use code CHGO for a $350 off discount. Okay. Do we want to do... Oh, that's a good one. Uh, Jimmy's asking, how much taller are they going to stretch Crochet out to? Because they're going to stretch him out. They're going to make him hang by his ankles from the ceiling and try and get him a little taller. If they do it for three months, I think they could probably get like three inches. Really? Yeah. I don't think it works that way. Either. Seven feet tall. <laughs> beat John Rauch out for the tallest uh, pitcher in, in MLB history. I think it'd be worth a shot. Um, you get, where do you guys want to go? We'll just play. A, well, no, let's do the Royals thing. All right. You want to do the Royals thing? Yeah. Okay. Always. Yesterday, as we played, Chris Getz addressed the media and revealed information that I think was revealed previously to the press conference, but uh, Chris Getz confirming that. It was reported on Sunday by Bob Nightingale. Thank you. Yes. Um, good job, Bob. Uh, Assistant General Manager of the White Sox, Jeremy Haber, has left the organization uh, and uh, coming over from the Royals uh, after, uh, I think, 25 years, Jin Wong, uh, former Assistant General Manager of the Royals, is now going to be the Assistant General Manager of the White Sox. So, so uh, Bob reported both halves of what you just said. Chris only talked about uh, Jeremy Haber's departure yesterday, so the Jin Wong hire uh, remains a report only, not confirmed by Chris Getz yesterday, uh, just to... Do some housekeeping on the details there. Okay. Yeah. But uh, uh, Ann Rogers from uh, MLB.com reporting from October 19th, 2023, that Jin Wong has left the Royals yes. after so not, 23 years. So he was a free agent. Not hired away uh, from the Royals, but hired after the conclusion of a lengthy tenure with the Royals. And uh, which is a good little thing because the White Sox might have acquired another Royal, which is uh, something that you're begrudgingly wanting to talk about, I guess. No, I just, listen, I think that uh, we've gotten to the point uh, in this store, in this narrative where uh, it has become assumed by everybody that that's exactly what they're trying to do is become the new Royals. Every single uh, item, news item that I tweet out contains comments endlessly that say, oh, but either A, oh, they got another Royal or B, what's the matter? This guy isn't a Royal, ba, ba, ba. I'm just kind of over it. I'm a little tired of it. Like I, the, the played out, it is played out. The connections are true there. It's undoubtedly the case that listen, Martin Maldonado said he's here because he was familiar with Pedro Grafal. Why, when were they familiar with each other? When they were with the Royals, Chris Getz worked for the Royals. Pedro Grafal worked for the Royals. The people who are making the decisions have ties to that organization. Obviously uh, that is true. That being said, I don't think it, smacks as this huge 
edict? Strategic backfire that the fans are painting it as. Now, I understand that they're all frustrated with everything the White Sox do, and so it was never going to be a positive celebration regardless of what happened, but um, I think folks are painting it as this, oh, they're trying to do something that makes no sense because, look, the Royals are usually bad. One of the only teams last year that that was worse than the White Sox, and... Uh, look, they're making this huge mistake going forward. I just want to make sure that it's remaining a joke and not a actual, like people are think that it's actually being done on purpose because here's the thing. Chris Getz got the job. Pedro Grafol got the job. And to hire people that you have worked with before, to hire people that you believe are good fits because you know them is not weird, right? Like, isn't that what people do all the time? When you see, when you see Herb, here's a good example. When you see a new athletics director mm-hmm. put in at a, at a, at a university, uh, uh, and the idea is that they're going to go out and get their guy, right, to, to hire, you, you see sometimes people that they know, right, that they have familiar with or that they have familiarity with, and whether that ends up being a good hire or not, whatever. But I think the point being that, Herb, if you're going to be a process over results person, I want folks to know that the process isn't we're going to hire a person or acquire a player because they have a line on their resume that said they worked in Kansas City for a brief amount of time versus the process being the people who are the decision makers are perhaps familiar with those people and have uh, uh, an understanding of what they would bring to the bring to either the organization or the active roster. Um, and so I think, I guess what I'm saying is it's not necessarily the bad thing that everybody is painting it as. Uh, it certainly has been plenty of fodder for jokes as you're going to continue to make on this very episode, Sean. Mm-hmm. But uh, I do think that it's something that, because it is such a part of what the conversation is right now, it can be illuminated that it isn't necessarily a 100% negative every time it does happen to occur. I understand what you're saying, and it makes sense, but I think people are having problems with the person who is the decision maker or are the decision makers are all Royals. So we're just looking at a team that's the the one team we can look at. It's like that team is not as good as us or organization, not as good as us, even though they won a world series more recently than us. And you're like, that's just the two people that you're thinking of Pedro and um, like Brian Bannister, also a former Royal, but player Chris, Chris gets another person. Like these are all people who have been on that team. And so we're like, if we're going to be shooting for familiarity with the team of, of choice, it's the wrong team to be going with. Like, yes, the Pedro they hired a long time ago, Chris they hired recently. So these things are gripes that are about those people. But yes, it's continuing down the road because they're hiring their buddies who happen to be have Royal on them. Now, what I know, my friends, is that this thinks to high heaven all the way to the top. We heard that a new advisor has been instituted for the Chicago White Sox, and that is Tony Larusa. Tony Larusa made his major league debut with whom? I can see it. This man's so old, it's the Kansas City Ace. So not the Royals. <laughs> well, it's technically the Royals, I think. Well, no, it's not the Royals. The Is it not? They're the actual, the, Damn it. What, what the Las Vegas okay. A's are going to be. It's, it says Kansas City, Oakland A's. Okay, all right. So I guess he's... It, gosh, damn it. He's the not even a Royal. <laughs> Darn. Uh, nice try. Even, we can't nice even, try, uh, Sean. We can't even but, give Tony that. I know. I, th- I, thought I, I thought I could make the connection. Damn it. Uh, all right, but... Uh, um, Messi Carroll on Twitter uh, has put together for the 22 signings, trades, or selected contract for the White Sox, 18.2% of them have a royal connection. I don't think that this counts Nicky Lopez because he counts to uh, several oh. lists of both hometown and royal hero. So I think of so the three. 22% uh, the 22 players Nicky uh, Lopez that they have is the 4.3. Oh, it's the 4.5. Yeah, both is uh, yeah. the 4.5. Thank you. Uh, so it's three so, people. Right. Well, twenty-two. It's it's Hill, Maldonado, and and Lopez. It's Twenty-four of them, I think. No, but that have played for the Royals. Uh, Seeing uh, that twenty-four people divide, would eighteen percent of that would be three people? Brett Phillips, Justin Anderson, uh, Tim Hill, Martin Maldonado, uh, and then uh, Nicky Lopez too. Okay, and so two of those are minor league contracts. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> uh, they've been selected contracts. Uh, so, yeah. But, uh, and then also, I mean, Jin Wong, Gene Watson, 
I, the Brian Bannister one, that one I will say is, is a stretch. At least his work as a pitching director mm-hmm. hasn't been with the Royals. Those were with the Red Sox and Giants. I mean, he's not, he was a Royal. I don't know, but I get it. Um, and, and hey, I'll go back. I'll go back to what I wrote uh, uh, toward the end of the season too. Kansas City Royals won a World Series in 2015. Right about That's that. 10, 10 years more recently than the White Sox have. Um, any thoughts on Jeremy Haber leaving the organization? Um, I guess at the end of the day, it's not terribly surprising just because of what I just said, right? When, when in, in that reference I just made to an AD, uh, I mean, he was Rick Hahn's assistant GM. He worked for the, the previous uh, brain trust, and there's a new brain trust in town, and it would make sense that, uh, you know, some of those um, – higher level staffing positions will have turned over. Chris Getz and the White Sox have made uh, very high profile or they've tried to make very high profile of the people that they've brought in, be it the aforementioned Bannister, Gene Watson, or Josh Barfield. Um, you know, they've, they've really put a spotlight on that group. And uh, Jeremy Haber was a holdover. He obviously, um, you know, has probably been part of the, the decision-making until very recently, but um, you know, it, it makes sense that he was with the, the former people in charge and now there's a new person in charge. Yeah. Probably helping the transition go right and smoothly. Um, probably wasn't, I mean, if anybody, I would be not too happy if a person who I perceived to, under me got my, got the job. Maybe I was in line for the next and he probably find some success somewhere else in major leagues. I see that as like the Kenny Williams, Dan Evans thing where, one guy's going to get the job. The other guy's going to go by the wayside and go and find some other work somewhere else. And that's what Dan Evans did. He became the general manager of the Dodgers, and now he's not anywhere. But, you know, he's a valued member of the baseball community. I tried to find Jeremy Haber's LinkedIn to see if he was ever a royal. Maybe that's the part of the reason why he left. Wouldn't it no. be part of the reason that he would stay, Sean? Exactly. Well, by no, your no, logic, no, by your he, joking he, logic? He, yeah. he, didn't, he, he left because he wasn't a royal. Ah, uh, He'll never be Royals. Does that mean Josh Barfield has to turn around and go back to Arizona? I don't know. I don't know. I guess. Are you singing the song? Is he never a, no, I'm not going to sing the okay. song. Is he never a Royal, Josh Barfield? I think he no. was only a Indian and then. Is his dad a Dodger? I mean, his dad was in Royal Blue, but that was Toronto Blue Jays. I remember mm-hmm. that. All right. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, let's take a break and then we'll jump into what uh, Luke was asking us to talk about a little bit earlier with uh, Luis Robert and his new agent. I uh, want to let you know about our friends over at game time, uh, our friends at game time take the stress out of buying tickets. If you couldn't find last minute tickets, if you thought that there were no good deals out there, you have to check our friends over at game town because a, we got a, a nice nifty code for you. $20 off with the code CHGO, but they have flash deals, zone deals. They have easy to find and buy tickets, uh, in all different types of, uh, the stadium, right? They got deals for the top of the top. They got, uh, deals for the low of the low bulls are taking on the rockets tonight. They got a couple flash deals in the top section, the, the lower, uh, bowl. I think there's even some, uh, on the, the lower bowl as 25 well. bucks to get into the UC. That ain't bad. Not, Not bad. <laughs> and, and Zach Levine's back. You know, it's, it's the full strength bulls. Going I'm going to the game tonight and I bought my tickets on game time. Just saying. Awesome. There you Sarah, go. Sarah, you should be doing this read. Yeah, I, hear you <laughs> I love game time. I've been, I literally ever since we got, I'm so serious. Ever since we started, uh, doing it as a sponsor and everything. I only use game time because I love that. I can see where my seats are and they're always cheaper. As you're showing right now on the, uh, if you're watching the YouTube, you're yeah. seeing exactly what this $23 ticket is. Oh, you could sit here for $84. This, these are oh, seats for $84. Boom. That's a great deal. Might as well. And, that's uh, a great deal. That's a great a great sales pitch yeah. from Sarah. Take the guesswork out of buying with GameTime. Uh, download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code CHGO for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code CHGO for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And two, uh, they do guarantee lowest price. And Herb got... Uh, his guarantee, the game time guarantee within 12 minutes. Yeah. Uh, so a quick and easy support uh, if you do end up flying a, a lower price. Clean up the bar fields. They both only play for two teams, Padres Indians and his daddy played for the Yankees and the Blue Jays. All right. I'll try to find some some connection for, for, for this to work out. Um, all right. Uh, we got to let people know about FOCO. We do. Usually when we're in studio, A, you will see the bobbleheads that FOCO has dedicated. Has Donated to our set. You've got the classic Southpaw holding the orange White Sox flag. You've got the classic Tim Anderson waiting for the red line train that might just be ghosting him. And so he's got to sit around in that. I'll stop a little bit longer. But 
They've got all sorts of stuff for you to go see. So check out FOCO. You can get fitted out in the best sports gear around. They've got hoodies. They've got shoes. they got signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. As you know, it is always baseball season. So go get yourself an Aloha shirt, a straw hat, a polo, and that lovely bag set to bust out in the parking lot at Guaranteed Rate Field on March 28th when there's going to be a foot of snow on the ground. Uh, you've seen the set decorations. Now go show them some love. Check out foco.com or click the link in the description below. And for all non-presale items, you can use the co- promo code CHGO10 for 10% off. Damn, what a busy day in the football world. Pete Carroll is moving up to uh, an ad- advisor with the Seattle Seahawks. Nick Saban just retired. Mercy. Oh, right. really? Yeah, that's what Jordan Gilmore said, and wow. it's confirmed on X. Roll damn tide. Roll damn tide. I thought Saban still had a little bit more juice left. Uh, maybe he's, like he's re- 70 years old, isn't he? Yeah. 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 72. Uh, he's 82? 72. 72. Mercy. Uh, all right. Uh, just because Vinny doesn't find the bit funny, uh, let's do the bit. Uh, <laughs> find the Royal. Uh, I hated the bit. I, I suggested the bit. Um, this particular bit or the overarching bit? The find the royal bit. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't like how it turned out. And it, yeah, oh, you gotta yeah, put this a, is hard to see. A crown yeah. these royals. Uh, I didn't like how this turned out. Uh, I got six players here. One of them has connections to the Kansas City Royal. Um, if you need help, I'm here to provide. I believe. This is, this I is believe I know the answer. I already have my guess too. I believe I okay. know the answer. We'll, go, we'll start with Sarah on her guess. Um, the dude on the top right corner. Top right, that is uh, Brandon, Brandon Belt, Belt. and it's, no. it's incorrect. Uh, uh, okay, never mind. Herb, uh, Vinny seems very strongly to know it, so I'm going to save I, him for last. I mean, I don't see the guys. I see Jason Hayward there, and if Vinny knows who the guy is, go ahead, Vinny. I believe that middle center is Will Smith, the pitcher, yes? It is. And I believe he is the answer. It is. I was trying yeah. to trick you. Will Smith I win. just signed with the Royals. The Fresh Prince. And I was hoping that would draw you off Will Smith's connection to the Royals because he made his major league debut. With the Royals. With the Royals. Yes. That, so. In fact, because, you know, all these things happen in an offseason and you tend to forget them until you see these people in their actual uniforms. I had totally forgot that Will Smith was once again on the Royals. I knew that he had previously been on the Royals. In your time covering the Royals? Well, he probably covered them as a I, Royal. 12? Right? I mean, 2012 was the year I was there. It's not that there old. There you go. I have connections to the Royals, everybody. Bake that part of the joke. <laughs> He's not that old, is he? No, that's black. No, well, that's you, black. You've Googled Will Smith, the actor, so that's not going to be helpful. Yeah. I don't yeah. believe he has any connection to the Royals. I mean... The Kansas City Royals. Okay. There we go. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, 2012 to 2013. There you go. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Oh, yes. I was 80, there for Will Smith's major league debut. There. 89 and two-thirds innings, and he started all 16 games that he appeared in. That's crazy. Golly. Um, all right. Damn. How old is Will Smith? In his 40s? 34. Well, not that old. No, not that old. Uh, 12 was apparently. That's right. That. It's not that old. <laughs> At least, I mean, for a pitcher, he's ancient. Well, um, thankfully, not all of us 34-year-olds are. No. Uh, Luis Robert Jr. is not 34 years old. He's a young, young man, uh, and people are, are freaking out a little bit. Uh, no reason to. I know, but people like to freak out uh, because they see the name Scott Boris, and he's the boogeyman. John Heyman reported today that Luis Robert Jr. has signed John Heyman to be his nope. agent. Nope, John Heyman reported that. John Heyman yeah. reported that Luis Robert Jr. has signed Scott Boris, there we go. Boris Corp, <laughs> to be his agent. Thank you, Vinny, for You're cleaning welcome. that up. We didn't want to make you think that John Heyman jumped into the sports <laughs> agent business. Has he? Do you no. want to break any news? Do no. you have a scoop? I'm oh, saying no. we don't want right. to. Oh, okay. let all right, all right. So Scott Boris has been uh, in the Major League Baseball agent uh, business for a while. Um, pretty notable. Um, yeah. And he is now signed Luis Robert Jr. I'm not worried because Luis Robert Jr. signed for four years. It tells me all I need to know about Luis Robert Jr. Man's confident as hell about his, uh, about his game. And he wants to maximize the money he's going to get when he does become a free agent. That's exactly what I felt when Dylan Cease fired his agency to hire Boris Corp. And this is how I feel when anybody fires their agent to go with Scott Boris. That tells me that person has ultimate confidence in their game and they want to maximize their money. And that's awesome to hear for Luis Robert Jr. That has nothing to do with the White Sox. If Luis Robert Jr. wants to maximize his money in four years, the White Sox have the one of 30 chances to maximize his money with him. So... It's a good thing for everybody involved. Money's going to be going up for Luis Robert Jr. Same thing with Boris Corp. And if the White Sox want to participate, we're all good too. If they don't, 
And then they weren't ready for baseball then. They weren't ready for what baseball is turning into. And I'm glad that Luis Robert Jr. has seen that he is a top of the level, a top of the um, tier of MLB talents, and you only get the best agent to represent you. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, to go back to the idea of narratives, there's a narrative out there that the White Sox don't like dealing with Scott Boris. And I think... I'm not necessarily sure that it has to do with the man as much as it has to do with the goal that yes. he has, which is to try and get really expensive, really long-term deals for his clients. And uh, particularly in the last few years, stuff like opt-outs and new features of contracts that are becoming more and more normal, uh, but that the White Sox don't ne- haven't necessarily shown a willingness to hand out in their own free agent signings. Um, and so it's not necessarily much as much about Scott Boris as, like you just said, Herb, hey, if the White Sox want Luis Robert Jr. after his current contract is over, they're going to have to pay for it. And that was going to have to be the case whether he was represented by Scott Boris or anybody else. Um, I think right now you can look at Dylan Cease and say that Dylan Cease being with Scott Boris has not changed anything that we know of, at least, the amount of time that Dylan Cease is going to be on the White Sox. The reason Dylan Cease is potentially going to be traded right now is not because the White Sox are looking up and going, oh, he's represented by Scott Boris. We'll never be able to re-sign him. They're looking up and saying, well, this team lost 101 games last year, and the only thing we can do to get this organization back on track this offseason, perhaps, is to trade an asset like Dylan Cease for some minor league uh, talent. So I, I, I think that this is, like you said, Herb, Probably a really good move for Luis Robert Jr. because Scott Boris's clients tend to get really nice deals uh, from plenty of teams. The White Sox are the ones who are going to have to change their behavior, not Scott Boris, because he's doing exactly what he's being paid to do. Mm-hmm. The White Sox, if they if they want to swim in that deep end of the pool, and maybe one day they'll be in a position where where they can. I mean, listen, they signed a Scott Boris client a few years back in Dallas Keuchel. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not they're not completely allergic to it. It's just that. The deepest end of the pool is not traditionally where they have have been in, in, in free agent signing. Luis Robert Jr., when he hits free agency, whenever that might be, he will be in that deep end of the pool. Yes, hopefully, as long as he stays healthy and, you know, continues on the track, uh, con- you know, trajectory that he was after the 2023 season. And again, like if they get to a point after 2027 where they've picked up all the club options and he's a free agent and he's commanding over three hundred million dollars. That's not a bad thing. That means no. he's been very good and means for the White Sox very for much the past worth that, four years. And very much worth that contract that yeah, they signed right. him to already. I, I right? mean, I, I think even he could do that with one year. I mean, I mean he's been phenomenal. Uh, and this he did that once he hit that home off Mike Fires. I mean, I, yeah. I didn't pay him $88 million, but he was worth it after that one. Yeah, and it doesn't preclude the White Sox from talking to Scott Boris and asking about an extension. Yes, most of Scott Boris' clients go to free agency, but one didn't. One in particular didn't, and that's Steven Strasburg. They signed him to extension. So it's not over for the White Sox. It is just the beginning. And if you want Luis Robert past what you already have him, those conversations can start now. And you don't have to have uh, Scott Boris be the boogeyman in the 2028 season. You could just have, hey, we have this guy for four more years, and we have conversations with his agent that we can extend it for more than four years than that. And Luke, I mean, it's a pipe dream, but whatever. You still have exclusive uh, co- uh, negotiation rights with Luis Robert right now until four years from now, or if you trade before that. Luke asked, will he be traded by the start of 2026? Uh, his club options start then 2026, a $20 million club option, and then 2027, his 29 uh, age season, uh, tw- another club option for $20 million. Uh, if they were going to trade him, they trade him now. I mean, he, he will never be more valuable than right now. Uh, assuming that they're only going to go up from now, if that is correct. I mean, I, I, but I, if they if they get to the end of the 2025 season and they are still down where they currently are, then we're having the exact same conversations then about Luis Robert as we are about Dylan Cease today. Well, I mean, but even yeah. then, I mean, Chris Getz doesn't seem like he's ruled out a Luis Robert trade. I mean, again, he told you guys that they're listening just in general. I mean, he didn't single out Dylan Cease. It was more you guys being like, <laughs> you know, speculating about Cease because he's been you know so highly linked. But I mean, if they made a trade for Luis Robert Jr. This offseason, I think it'd be kind of shocking because we haven't heard anything. But I mean, he he's, said they're he's, not. He's, he said at the winter meetings they're almost, you know, 99.9% they're not going to. If, right. if yeah. they get the right offer, I don't think that they, they wouldn't entertain. I think oh, he has to listen. Right. Yeah. If, you're, if they're having, not trouble, but 
They're asking for a number with Dylan Cease. I couldn't imagine the number they would and the people they would ask for Luis Robert. But Luis Robert Jr. is perhaps a little bit more obviously worth it than Dylan. than Dylan Cease would be, which is no affront to Dylan Cease. It's just saying Luis Robert Jr. is an MVP caliber player already, and he plays every day. And he's cheap, and you have right. him for four years Correct. instead of two years. Correct. Like, yeah, But that's exactly what the White Sox want right now. They want to be in the position where they have somebody for the next four years. They already have that guy in Luis Robert Jr. And his pizza dining habits are inexpensive also. So you don't have to break the bank there, too. Hopefully Scott Boris garbage, can find him a nutritionist. Yeah, your, bar, your garbage Or city, just a better pizza place. Yeah, your garbage city will probably have a Papa John's in it. I think we could tell him about better pizza places. Yeah, but he might listen to Scott. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, we'll get into to Scott Boris's ear to tell him about Luis Robert Jr. pizza places. Uh, yeah, I, I'd be... It would make no sense if, if a team's... The White Sox don't get many Luis Robert Jr. opportunities. There was Frank Thomas, and I think that's really the only player that you could compare him to in the last, you know, 25 years in White Sox history. Like, superstar players, like the White Sox have had Frank Thomas and... Luis Robert Jr. And Chris Sale, maybe? Chris Sale's definitely there. But like, I would even say, then, like, p- position players, it's it's Frank mm, and Luis Robert Jr. Maybe Jose Abreu. No. The man won MVP. In a 60-game sh- season. Still won MVP. No, I, I, wow. Luis Robert Jr. He hasn't even been on the team. He's been off the team for a full year, and you can't stop trashing him. What, what, what's wrong with that? <laughs> I think he was gone the second the Astros signed him. I think I was kicking that corpse. Unbelievable. Um, Let the man be. Oh, goodness. We love you, Pito. Um, All right. Well, you don't. (laughs) He doesn't love the White Sox. Uh, That's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox podcast. That's Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. Uh, That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him at Ecknerall23. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Luke, We'll save our thoughts for Jake Woodford tomorrow. We'll honestly probably have a 50-minute conversation about Jake Woodford. Uh, we have we just found out about Jake Woodford while we're live. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to you tomorrow at 3.30 with our thoughts on Jake Woodford. Thank you to Sarah for producing the show. And make sure you hit the thumbs-up button on our way out. I know the Bears guys, I think, are reacting in Studio A right now to the... Huh? Eight, eight minutes they'll be live reacting to Kevin Warren, Matt Eberflus's, and Ryan Poles' press conference. So head over to Studio A on the CHGO Sports YouTube channel. Goodbye.